Welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, podcastforseedsing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is, it sounds like you're like out at the bird sanctuary enjoying the, God, what is it, like 50 degree May day. How are, it's the greatest other, t- t- greatest other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm doing good. I'll close my window. Here. No, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's 64 degrees and beautiful in St. Louis today, so take advantage anytime we get even though my allergies want to kick the butt about it and i took a tumble on the trail this morning so yeah you're living the hard life <laughs> yeah totally so ty i actually we took last week off and i posted a podcast we did not that long ago it was on 1982 because i was making the argument there's a podcast i listened to that the 430 movie and they did a whole thing about how 1982 is the best year especially for genre cinema and I think you and I both are like, yeah, it's a pretty damn good year. And then it's also a great year because that's when I was born. Well, and right. My wife was born. But then you also look ahead, like you look at like 1984. There's Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Gremlins. Oh, Grace Love Story of Our Time, Karate Kid. <laughs> I just watched something about Mary the other day. There's some problematic stuff in that movie, but that movie holds that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first and greatest police academy. I mean, mm-hmm. Splash, there's some good movies on there. So what about 1983? Now, this was inspired by, just out of the blue, I'm sitting there looking at the AV Club. Had this article last week about why, and it was why 1983 is the worst year for sequels. And we're going to talk about that here. But I kind of thought about it, and I'm like, what were the great movies of 1983? There are some legends, and I will go through that. But when you compare, like, I just listed seven top-tier Hall of Fame movies from 84. We listed 10 or more from 1982. But then you look at 1983, and it's not that there were that the whole year was bad. Because, again, there's some legendary movies that we're going to talk about. Trading Places was in 1983. So, That's a good movie. Yeah. So I'm going to give that. But I'm going to talk about some movies that are just definitively, definitively terrible. One movie that I think is incredibly overrated. It was properly rated at its time. Because everybody said it sucked, and now everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, it's great." And movies that I think they're just—they're either products of their time, and I don't mean like Soul Man or something like that. Oh God, that, that movie is talk about problems. Yeah, yeah that, that's not—that's not this year, by the way. But it's—but they're—they're movies that if I went back to watch them, I probably would not enjoy them as much as I remember. So, are you ready for this ride? Yeah, it's funny, too, because when you told me this topic and even when we did, because I listened back a little bit to the 1982 one, it's funny how much of those movies I've seen. Obviously, I said I was born in 82, so in 83, I was a year old, not even a year old when some of these movies came out. And with 82, it's like, oh, okay, I've seen this, I've seen this. We talked about Blade Runner at length, which is like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time. I was just looking at movies prior to recording this with you, and there's not many good things on here, and there's not many movies that... I go back to there's a few I'm sure we'll talk about, but they're definitely this year is not very good at all from what I can glean through. My research is through Google, so I'm just going off of Google. I'm going to tell you I'm using our new assistant here, ChatGPT, because the machines are going to take over and everybody can whine and cry and things about it. And we're going to start off good and we're going to end good, but the middle is going to be a big old crap sandwich, people. But uh, so I went to ChatGPT and I typed in was 1983 a good year for movies? It says, yes, 1983 was a good year for movies. Some of the most popular and critically acclaimed films of the year include Terms of Endearment, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture. 
I doubt you've ever seen Terms of Endearment. So it's interesting. I've never seen it. I do listen to another podcast called Scott Hasn't Seen, uh, mm-hmm. which is Scott Aukerman and Sprague the Whisper. Sean Disson plays him. And they talked about it, but Scott Aukerman's older. He's mm-hmm. a little bit older than you are, and he really liked it. But I have zero interest in watching a movie that's going to make me cry after seeing episode three of Last of Us. Yeah, and that's all. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's all Terms of Endearment is. Hey, look, it's great. Uh, Shirley MacLaine won the Oscar. Jack Nicholson won the Oscar. I think Jeff Daniels. Yes, Jeff Daniels was nominated for an Oscar. Um, he should put that in front of every comedy <laughs> yeah. movie he's ever yeah. done. But it's, I, I remember I watched it in college, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's James L. Brooks. I mean, come on. When we talk about, like, quote-unquote best picture winners, it's definitely in the forgettable category. Okay. There was uh, Star Wars, Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, which so at the time saw- was the worst Star Wars ever. <laughs> at the time. Okay, so I, And I there's never been there. a Star Wars movie made since then. Return of the Jedi is, what is that in order? Is that five no. or six? That's six. It's the third of the original trilogy. So, so it's with the Ewoks, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, because as many of the listeners know here, I didn't watch any of the Star Wars movies until my daughter was born. She's seven now, and I've seen them all. And I personally, Rogue One's my favorite, but I will say Return of the Jedi, is that what it's called? I keep getting the name yes, wrong. I yes. can't. But Return of the Jedi is, it has good and bad points, but those damn Ewoks, I just can't get over how pointless and ridiculous they were in that movie. So another one that they say is great is the movie The Right Stuff, which again, I doubt you've ever seen that. Is it the Tom Cruise football one? No, no, no. Uh, The Right Stuff is about the Mercury astronauts, the first astronauts in space. It's based off of a Thomas Wolfe book. That movie rocks. That movie is absolutely awesome. It's like three and a half hours long. <laughs> is Thomas Wolfe the guy who had an all white suit? Yeah, wrote Krusty's book. Is yeah. that what he, yes. he said, "Hey, I'm not asking for your life story." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then uh, Flash Dance. Yeah, never that. seen it. Another one they mentioned on Scott hasn't seen, which he seemed to like. But I've is that the one where she like lowers the uh, water onto yeah. her during yeah. the dance? Okay, yeah, I know that scene, but I've never seen it. Trading Places, which great movie. Yes, I mean an all time movie. That is an absolute. All-timer. And then The Outsiders came out that year. It's funny. I, I do read. I read books. Uh-huh. I've written about books that I've read. But I wasn't an avid reader much in middle or high school. And I can vividly remember my favorite book of all time is Lord of the Flies. I think that's the greatest book ever written. I don't know how old I was when I read it, but I'm trying to decide if my son can read it, which he probably can. My second favorite book of all time is The Outsiders. I love that book. I read that book maybe four or five times when I was in middle school going into high school. I think it's the second greatest book ever written. And that movie is like the Avengers before the Avengers. Cause there is star after star after star in that movie. And see Thomas Howell speaking of soul man does an excellent job playing pony boy. Mm-hmm. I will not say a bad thing about that movie or that book ever in my life. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, which, okay. I, I didn't know that which yeah is something i had to look up again when i was kind of looking i'm like really but yeah yeah francis Ford I'm, I'm curious how you feel about that because that oh, book, i think that movie is incredible but what about the book no i think the I book is, i actually today, think but... i actually think the movie is an extremely good adaptation of the book okay that's one of the first times i saw uh i read the book before i saw the movie and i thought okay they're doing this book justice i think that's because like there is a Lord of the Flies movie that I personally like, but it's more along the lines of uh, that Cleveland Browns movie we watched yeah. that isn't so good, where this Outsiders movie is a great adaptation of a phenomenal book. So I went and I asked ChatGPT, why is 1983 a bad year for movies? 
And I'm reading this and I actually I'm reading it in like a defensive voice. But what ChatGPT says, it's important to note that while some people may have their own subjective opinions on the quality of films released in 1983, it's not generally considered a bad year for movies. In fact, I mentioned in my previous answer, 1983 saw the release of several critically acclaimed and popular films, including Terms of Endearment, Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi and the right stuff. However, it's possible that some people might point to a lack of diversity in terms of types of movies that were released that year, or perhaps note that some of the big-budget films that were released ended up being commercial disappointments. But overall, 1983 is not considered a bad year for movies, and it certainly had a share of successful and memorable films. So, ChatGPT is wrong, because the next question I ask is, what are the worst movies of 1983? And this is the meat of the podcast, Todd. Because I think (laughs) the movies we talked about, and I'm going to talk about three movies at the end here that are Hall of Fame God-tier movies. But Stone Cold Classics, definitely in our house, because you've told me, yeah. But this is what surrounded these movies. And like I said, I go back to Terms of Endearment, just forgettable. The right stuff, you got to watch it over uh, multiple days and stuff like that. And also, it's funny you mentioned the length of that movie, The Right Stuff, because I was at our folks' house yesterday trying to convince our dad to go see Bo is Afraid with me. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know, three hours in a theater, and then you say this Right Stuff movie is three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Also, something kind of a a thing you're going to hear a lot in this, because I know some of my friends are going to be like, oh, God, Cobb, how could you not like that movie? This was a year of movies that were disappointing. And I don't mean disappointing in the fact of like Avatar was boring or something like that. I mean, disappointing in like their posters looked like you're about to go see the most badass movie ever. And it is one in particular I'm going to talk about. And it was just terrible, terrible. So are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm curious because as I said, my, my lack of knowledge is pretty vast in this year. So now the other thing I want to say is this was the last year before the PG 13 rating. This was okay. actually the year, I think it might still hold the record for the like highest percentage or whatever, might hold the record for uh, the most R-rated films ever. Oh, wow. But okay. some, of these, some of these movies would have been PG-13. You're kicking off the year, there was a horror movie, The House on Sorority Row. I don't know if I've ever seen that, but... <laughs> there Sounds is, like camp. Yeah, there's a camp a, movie. David Cronenberg's Videodrome, which is... Not great. Cronenbergs are making movies that long? Oh, yeah. This was, gosh, I think Scanners was before this. Man, doesn't he have a new movie out, too, called Infinity Pool, where Skarsgård is fully nude in it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, he's still working. Yeah, he is. He is. (laughs) The King of Comedy. Now, this is a Martin Scorsese movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's interesting. Again, I was at our folks' house yesterday. I saw Cocaine Bear recently. I was telling them about it. We got on the top of Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. and our mom got so mad at me when I told her I don't like Goodfellas. Ooh, and then ooh. I, yeah, she got very <laughs> mad. At me. Another podcast for another day. We can talk about that. But then we got into the whole talk of Martin Scorsese, and I told them I don't like a lot of his movies. He's very hit or miss with me. Like I love Raging Bull. I don't like Goodfellas. I don't like Casino. I mentioned that great David Spade joke from SNL, Casino. Casino, it, but I liked it better the first time when it was called Goodfellas. <laughs> I don't like Wolf of Wall Street. I don't like The Depart. So it's just very like Hugo's okay. So I have this weird feeling towards Scorsese. Our mom doesn't like King Comedy. Our dad said you should watch it. You might like it. So I'm probably going to watch it soon. It's a better version of Joker. Okay, because everybody, again, we did a whole podcast about Joker. Everybody mm-hmm. knows how I feel about that movie. So mm-hmm. if it's a better version, I think it's De Niro, right? Yes. 
And he's what is he like a crazy comedian or something? Yeah, and then Jerry Lewis plays essentially the De Niro part in Joker. Jerry Lewis is playing like a serious role. <laughs> no, he and plays the talk in... show host. He plays the talk show. <clears throat> oh, but he's not doing something problematic like he did in his uh, famous <laughs> well, drama. Was it the day the clown cried or something like oh, that? Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> but no, I, but. It was interesting to hear our mom, who's such a big Scorsese fan, say, oh, probably not. And then our dad, who I tend to take his recommendations to heart. So mm-hmm. I think I'll probably watch this. Yeah, I, look, I, I like Kane of Comedy, but I'll definitely tell people this. If y- people are going to talk about, like, peak Scorsese, I mean, Kane of Comedy sits somewhere along with, like, The Last Temptation of Christ. It's a movie. I've never seen that. Either. Yeah, that's not great. Okay. It's a movie that not a lot of people, like, remember. I think Kane of Comedy got a little bit more recognition after Joker came out because Joker basically ripped it off. But, yeah. Don't tell Todd Phillips that. <laughs> No, no. They'll call you woke if you tell him that. <laughs> but here's where the year starts to get into its craptastic level. The big thing about 1983 is the amount of sequels, especially not even sequels, the third movie in in the series. And these are all legendary for being absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible movies. Now, the first to come up in February, The Sting 2 came out. Now, okay, I'm going to comment this quote The Simpsons again, but when Bart and Homer are grifting, (laughs) Grandpa tells him he's the main grifter and he says to them before he tells them a plan, this was in The Sting, too, so nobody saw it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Sting is, a again, a legendary film from 1973. So 10 years later, they make The Sting, too, and it is widely considered just absolute garbage. I've never seen The Sting, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it stays a very good movie. But The Sting, too, kind of kicks off this just terrible year of sequels for the most part. And as you as you get into this is still back in the day, like we didn't really have as big of movie seasons like the summer season. I mean, it was there, but you yeah. did have in March you had the Black Stallion Returns, which uh, I don't know what. what? <laughs> and then what is that? And then weird. It, it Black Stallion was a movie about some horse or something like that, and I guess oh, it did well right, enough. Right. They decide let's make another one. I think yeah. they are based off a series of books, to be fair. But oh, again, okay, a movie that's not a sequel at all called Max Dugan Returns. That's actually it's Max based, Dugan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like I went in there like I didn't go see Max Dugan. It's actually a Neil Simon play, or oh, I think it might okay. not be a play. He might have just written it for the screen. It's one of Kiefer Sutherland's very first movies, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I didn't go see it because I never saw Max Dugan, so I thought I'd be lost. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Same day, as we talked about, The Outsiders came out. I'm looking at Wikipedia, and they have some television stuff on here, like The Thornbirds. That's an, another story down the road. Like, we just celebrated, I think, the 40th anniversary of the premiere of the show V. Oh, okay. I will probably have a podcast coming up talking about why the 1980s were the greatest decade of like limited series. No, limited series. Uh, Yeah. This isn't my big hot take, but it's probably second on my hot take. The end of the month, Monty Python's Meaning of Life came out. My hot take is I never got into Monty Python. I don't think it's funny. That's my hot take. I don't really care for Monty Python either. I understand the allure of absolutely of uh whatchamacallit the king arthur one um the holy grail yeah yeah it's not funny stuff yeah right it's not for me but i understand it even the life of brian i understand it the meaning of life 
is a bad movie. I mean, I know I people are going to be like, how could you say that? Or every sperm is sacred, all this other stuff. It's, it's like a collection of, you know what it was is Monty Python was successful. This was, Absolutely. this was them moving to, this was too much. It just, yeah, okay. it wasn't my thing. I know some people equate this with 1982, but it actually got into the theaters in 83 is a movie called Liquid Sky. Have I ever told you about this? No, sounds <laughs> rad, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, it's a very, very, very low budget film. I'm going to have to read part of the plot to you because I heard about this movie. Well, and I've been searching for it. I can't find it anywhere. But, low budget uh, movie. You're talking to a guy who loves the movie Rubber, which is about a sentient tire that kills people. Yeah, <laughs> made, made by a French guy. So I like low budget stuff. It took place. It's I believe he's a Soviet defector is who the guy who made it was. But I, I'm going to read you a little bit of the plot here. Okay, now this is not a. I haven't seen this movie, and people who have say it's something. But it's called Liquid Sky. Yeah. A new wave fashion show is to be held in a crowded Manhattan nightclub. Along the models are bisexual cocaine-addicted Margaret and her similarly cocaine-addicted nemesis Jimmy. Margaret's drug-dealing girlfriend Adrian is constantly harassed by Jimmy because he does not have the money to buy more drugs. A small UFO lands on the roof of the penthouse apartment occupied by Margaret and Adrian. Jimmy encumbers Margaret home before the show, but he's actually trying to find Adrian's drugs. Margaret's being watched by a tiny, shapeless alien from inside the UFO. Margaret and Jimmy return to the club to participate in the show. There's a bunch of drugs, all this other stuff on and on. Well, later on, they're having sex. And the moment Jimmy has an orgasm, the alien shoots something into his brain and absorbs his pleasure. (laughs) I want to watch this movie. This sounds sounds incredible. I got to see what this is all about. This this sounds amazing. I'm fully in on this movie. I'm sure it's terrible. I'm fully in on this I just want to say, people who have seen it say, you've never seen anything like that. Totally. Um, I love that it starts out, too, with a bisexual cocaine addict and her best friend, a cocaine addict. (laughs) Let's see. A movie that this isn't the movie I'm talking about that is aged poorly, but one of the bigger films of the year, a movie I saw many times, is a stand-up special called Bill Cosby himself. So I can proudly say, never watched Cosby show, never liked his comedy, never seen any of his comedy specials before. (sighs) Yeah. I know it's not, I know that's not the popular opinion, but yeah, I'm proud to say I've never seen that. Is now, he talking about Jello in this one too? Or? Uh, he's talking <laughs> about uh, just dropping stuff into people's drinks. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to talk a little bit about Return of the Jedi here. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, You're up, nerds. He knows what he's talking yeah, about. By no means do I think Return of the Jedi is a bad movie. Like Except I said, he walks. Well, it, look, let's let's be totally honest about the Ewoks, though. They were going to eat them. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And at the very end of the movie, when they're all dancing and stuff, and you see them, like, playing drums on, like, Stormtrooper helmets, there used to be heads inside those helmets. There may still very well be heads inside <laughs> those helmets. Stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the thing about Jedi is, and and I get why people say this, of the first three movies, it is the weakest one. And mm-hmm. it's right now, as we're discussing this, it's actually Return of the Jedi is in the movie theaters right now. It's there for, yeah, it for a limited time period to celebrate the 40th anniversary. And I've thought I may still go see it. I might go see it tonight. I'm just depending. Because I don't dislike the movie. But compared to Star Wars and then Empire Strikes Back, it doesn't. it just doesn't feel as good. 
it feels like they're kind of rushing to the end. And there's some dumb character moments here. Now, there's some great set pieces, the Jabba the Hutt stuff, the final battle, Mm -hmm. the Emperor, all that's great. I mean, when I talk about Return of the Jedi, it's not a bad movie. But compared to those other two, I I will say I could remember being a, a kid seeing that movie with our older brother who just turned 50 by the way and, and, and our father as a 13 year old kind of walking out going because it came out right around my birthday i yeah. just kind of being like oh, uh, yeah it was the first time i ever felt a little disappointed in the movie i think is what i'm saying that's the thing with trilogies like I, I, godfather 3 is widely regarded as one of the worst movies ever and i think it's because it's compared to godfather 2 which is yes. a great movie i mean Comparing Return of the Jedi to Empire Strikes Back, there's no comparison. No. I think George, what George Lucas did with this third one is, I think I agree with you that it was rushed. It felt a little too fast, but there is cool stuff. You had all those Jabba the Hutt toys. I mean, that must have left mm-hmm. some kind of impression. No, is it the first time we see Boba Fett also? No, no. You saw him in Empire. You, oh, okay. But Boba Fett <laughs> goes out like a dumbass in, uh, in the right. movie. And yeah. it, that's what I mean. It seemed like it was trying to do too much too quickly. And yeah. I go back, and that's why I tell people I go back, and it's still really good. And this is a good movie. Yeah, this isn't me kind of. This isn't me like being like, oh, the only good Star Wars was the Star Wars when I was a kid. But you look no. at those original three, and then you compare them to the prequel and sequel trilogies. Mm-hmm. If I I was my son was asking me just out of the blue, like, <laughs> what are my favorite Star Wars movies? And people can oh, say, yeah. the, what are your favorite Star Wars movies? Yeah. What is your favorite Star Wars? Movie? Oh, Empire. Empire Strikes Back uh, is still a movie. Mine's Rogue One, as I said at this. Well, that's what I say. I could say Rogue One, which is a great movie. Is a, I mean, it's not really a, is it really a Star Wars movie? Yeah, it's it's, in the, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's like you watch the Obi Wan show or the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Andor's a different thing. It is totally, totally different from those shows. I need to watch that. Yeah, Rogue One, kind of the same thing. Well, and I know I've heard people who know more about this say it's like a hipster thing to say Rogue One's your favorite. Rogue One's my favorite because it's like more of a war movie and it's got the greatest Darth Vader scene, in my opinion, in all of them. But if I had to sit down and like seriously do it and Rogue One isn't counted, I think I'd agree with you that Empire Strikes Back is the best one. But I wouldn't have Return of the Jedi too far behind, including the prequels and the new sequels. I think if... You know, Empire Strikes Back would be one, the first new one with Kylo Ren, the second new one, the fourth movie, which is the first A New Hope, and then probably Return yeah. of the Jedi is how I would do that. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I go, when you when you compare Return of the Jedi to the original, to the first two, it's it's the weakest of the three. But when you yeah, put it with all, movie. when you put it with all nine of them, it's in the top yeah. five. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah. and, and that's the thing, too. It's a trilogy. Nobody ever says Return of the Jedi is one of the worst movies ever. Everybody you talk to says Godfather 3 is one of them, including our mother, who loves those movies, says Godfather 3 is one of the worst movies. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's. I think that's part of the thing with when I talk about 83. It's not that Return of the Jedi was bad. It's that it, at the time, it was it was it was kind of a letdown. It was kind of like, sure. Oh, OK, yeah. I, guess, I guess that's it. It's uh, I, I'm going to end because I want to kick off the first half with something else. But I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to kick <laughs> yeah. off the second half with something else. But uh, I'm going to end on three particular movies. Now, I'm going to talk about the bad ones and then the one that I remember liking. But I guarantee you, I would not like it today. The first is I talked about uh, not Max Dugan returns the sting Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 1960, Alfred Hitchcock made one of the most iconic movies ever, Psycho. It was terrifying movie. Yeah, just absolutely t- again a top tier, a legendary movie, all this other stuff. 
Fast forward 23 years later, and they decide to make a sequel called Psycho 2. I thought the one with Vince Vaughn <laughs> that was directed by Gus Van Sant was the sequel. No, no, that was a, a quote shot on sh- shot for shot remake of the then, original. Did they make a TV show about it? Yeah, yeah, it was like a prequel show. Oh, this oh, I okay. think there was a Psycho 3 later on. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why would they do that? People, so, you don't have to make sequels with everything. Just let classics be classics. Now, I have not. Uh, this is the very little bit I remember about Psycho 2 is... Because they do play it off like he's been in jail for 20-something years. And Anthony Perkins is in this movie. Came back to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I, This is bumming me out, man. Again, the little <laughs> bit I remember, though, is I think the whole thing was like a... Uh, There's a copycat killer. And they the cops oh, thought okay. it was Norman Bates and something like that. But I will say this. I've heard a, a few people say this after a while. You come out two decades after a legendary movie. People were like, okay, this is terrible. This is a bad movie. I've heard a lot of people say, actually, it's not. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's a movie I thought, maybe I should go back and watch it. People are like, it's better than you remember. Okay. Uh, There is the James Bond film Octopussy. I uh, must have seen it twice. Isn't that what Homer says? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Think about you British people. You know what they like about you guys? (laughs) Octopussy. I must have seen that movie twice. Really ripping on eighty three movies from nineteen eighty three. Octopussy, outside of its like you know giggle name, like Mm -hmm. why don't you just call it Poop Stealer or whatever? I don't know. Well, don't they say something like must be named after your father or something (laughs) like that? Yeah, it's terrible. It's actually this is a subject for another time. James Bond. I've never Mm -hmm. been huge into James Bond. Me neither. But it was a big part of growing up, and sure. Some of the absolute garbage, worst James Bonds movies ever came out in the 1980s, and I think a big who, reason who was, not, this was uh, say, who was Bond was it Roger Moore? Or this Connery was Roger Moore. Okay. Oh, I'm we're gonna get to a Connery thing in a moment here, but uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but Octopussy was the like the 80s Bonds movies is probably why I've never been that big into Bond. They were they're terrible. And I know sure. people want to relitigate the the dude that took took over after Roger Moore. Connery? No, no, no. God, I, I I'm not going to look it up. But uh, people are Pierce Brosnan. No, it's before Pierce Brosnan because <laughs> Pierce oh, Brosnan. I have no idea. Yeah, no, no. They, those those are not good. Isn't Austin Powers? Don't they make fun of the '80s Bond's move Bond movies? Isn't that the whole yes, deal yes, with that? exactly? Okay, right. Trading places, like we talked about, came out, but. The movie that also came out, came out the same day as Psycho 2. I think one of the not great Steve Martin movies, The Man with Two Brains, also never came out. It. The movie War Games with okay, Matthew Broderick. I know of this movie. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen it, but I know of it. War Games, I remember as a kid really, really liking. It was uh, Matthew Broderick plays this hacker who breaks into the government system and almost causes a, a war. And this, Seems right up your alley, yeah. honestly. But I have a feeling, and this is unfortunate, and it's like, I have a feeling it was an enjoyable movie, probably not a great movie by any means. Movies, if they're great, they can get away with their technology things. But I have a Mm -hmm. feeling if I watched that movie today, I'd be like, man, was this made 300 years ago? I mean, (laughs) that's unfortunate for those movies, (laughs) but it's not fair. But I just, I do, I like Tron. I remember watching Tron a few Mm -hmm. months ago and thinking, not only does this movie look terrible, it's boring as hell. Mm. And I'm well, sure it blew my mind apart when I saw it the first time. But War Games probably <laughs> well, the same thing. 
it's interesting you bring that up too because our dad and I we go to a football game pre COVID we just go to a football game every year. I remember one drive home from I don't know where the hell we were, but him and I were talking about how good movie graphic graphics have gotten. And he told me when he was a kid, he went and saw Jason and the Argonauts and that mm-hmm. was mind blowing to him. And I watched it pretty soon after that. Yeah. And it was like watching that Bruce, army of darkness. That's yeah. how ridiculous the, the animation was in that. Yeah. I have to imagine war games with the computer, the way the computers used to look like when Ralph is playing on the Coleco vision one or whatever. Like yeah. that's how I imagine the computers are in that movie. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of the state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, this is going, we are going to go from Crap City to <laughs> Diarrheaville in, in, a, in a minute here because <laughs> you got to come up with better. Alex. <laughs> so, some, some of the movies that I talk, and I mean, we're getting to the point of movies like we talk about 82 legendary genre films. These are legendary, horrible, horrible sequels. This is where, at the end of the day, the worst movies are going to come out. Now, or the word when people talk about the worst movies ever. So, when I did ask Chat GPT, what were the worst movies of 1983? It said, as an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions, can't judge the quality of movies, says I crap all the time. However, yeah, GPT is angry with you, dude. <laughs> yeah. However, according to critics and audiences, some of the films released in 1983 that were not well received include, we're going to start talking about these movies, some of these movies that I never heard of. Octopussy is on this. Uh, Okay. On this, and as they talk about what makes these movies legendary bad, you're gonna know, and you've probably heard of most of these movies because I know they've done them on how did this get made? Oh, yeah. So, the first one's Superman 3. Is this all Richard Pryor? Yes, yeah, they just did a re release of <laughs> how did this get made, and I listened to it. This movie sounds nuts, and also, you have Richard Pryor use his comedic chops in this movie, yes. So, <laughs> a very, very short, a very, very long story that I'm gonna tell short here, Richard Donner made the first Superman movie. It was, you go back, I think we talked about it. You go, you like, Marlon Brando wanted to just be a, a, a briefcase, like, and then have oh, his yeah, voice coming yeah. out of it. And all these things. But what Donner did is create 
what a lot of people still think is the best superhero movie ever created something incredible. And then he was, they already had production of Superman two in, and there's a problem with Donner and the producers and they're like, get out of here. So the guy that directed a hard day's night, Richard Lester was brought in to finish <laughs> Superman two. Hard Days and Night is not a good movie no. either. No, and Richard Lester was mostly known for more kind of comedy type stuff. Sure, And yeah. you, there are some, even though I love Superman 2, there are some like moments in it that you can just tell are Richard Lester moments. Yeah. Superman 3 starts off, okay? The movie starts with some pretty lady walking down the street and then a dude walking right into a phone booth and knocking the phone booth over because he's looking at a pretty lady. That's how the movie starts. So just right off the bat with comedy. Comedy yeah. bits right away. And this is the one where in Office Space, when they talk about uh, how they're just going to take one penny. Yeah, like, chips. Yeah, yeah, the plot of Superman, Superman 3. 3. Yeah. yeah, totally. No Gene Hackman, no Lex Luthor in this. Who's the bad guy then? Robert Vaughn plays some made-up, bad guy stupid dude or something like that okay. ross bubba webster a villainous super wealthy industrialist and philanthropist that sentence makes no sense <laughs> bubba <laughs> yeah Philamp- Philamp- i can't even say that word yeah really? yeah no no way it did terrible it is widely known as being an absolute awful film people to this day talk about how it's it's bad it's a kind of ended the whole Superman franchise because Superman 4 at least has its canon films crap crap's my word today craptastic awesomeness to watch it's a movie so you know it's gonna be right but Superman 3 no terrible and then shortly after that you have Bob Clark who also did another movie this year we'll talk about Porky's 2 the next day Porky's is incredibly problematic and doesn't hold up I've never seen Porky's 2 I remember watching porkies as like a teenager and thinking this is what people think is like risky and stuff like that i or i don't like the porkies no i we've talked about this before twilight zone the movie where two children and an actor got killed and yep. they still put that movie out i watched it not long ago not great by any means but there are two movies here okay that a lot of people will widely go on and not only say they're they're bad sequels. They are widely considered two of the worst films ever made. The first one is a movie written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Okay. It is a sequel to an iconic 1970s movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's not a Rocky film. It's not a Rambo movie. It What's is, the point then? It is the sequel to the movie Saturday Night Fever. The movie called Staying Alive with John Travolta. This, yes. (laughs) This, again, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Why? Uh, Why? Why are they doing that? It is like just uh, anybody ever have time, go to YouTube and type in Staying Alive, Devil Dancing. It is, (laughs) I have actually seen this movie. It is so, so incredibly terrible. I I have to imagine. So I've seen Saturday Night Fever, whatever is the first one. What's it called? Uh, uh, yeah, Saturday Night Fever. This okay. is Staying Alive. Because our mom liked that movie, so I watched it. I watched it. It's on. I didn't even know they made a sequel to it, and that Stallone wrote and directed. <laughs> didn't Stallone win an Oscar for writing for Rocky. Rocky? Yeah. Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> he needs yeah. to. St- it's the whole thing is stick to what you know. I also, for the record, this movie was a huge hit. It was really? it made like 120 million back in 1983. I mean, it's a lot of money. It was a huge hit. But Roger Ebert, 
said the dance productions in Staying Alive are, quote, laughably ghosts. <laughs> Man, R.I.P. Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's a real one. Wait, did Travolta come back for this? Yes. One? Yes. Why? He had to be a star by this point. Hadn't he already been in Welcome Back, Cotter, and Grease at this point? And Saturday Night Fever? <laughs> yes. This is pretty much the end of Travolta till Pulp Fiction. I guess he was in those looks who's talking movies. But yeah, no. The other movie that came out now, again, iconic film. When Jaws came out, it created the idea of a summer blockbuster. Jaws is still a super, super great movie. And then Jaws 2 was, yeah, I mean, it it was kind of the same plot, but it was okay. And then, man, and since this is a visual, this is not a visual medium, so I can't really show the trailer. I could play it, but it doesn't make sense. But it's not just Jaws 3. It's Jaws 3D. Oh, (laughs) why? And it is the 3D in this movie. First off, none of the original cast came back for this crap. (laughs) No, and Jaws the Revenge, Jaws 4 famously is Michael Caine was in it. And somebody said, have you ever seen, because it's also terrible. Like, have you ever seen Jaws the Revenge? He's like, no, but I've seen the house it bought me. And <laughs> but, that's all you need to say, though. Yeah, this is uh, Dennis Quaid, the lead in this one. The like 3D effects are just so, and this is when you had to go wear the, the blue and red glasses. Yeah, but yeah. It's just, and any 3D movie in the 1980s is going to be bad. Nuts. Yeah. There was also Absolutely an Amneville nuts. 3D, I think, this year, too. That was pretty terrible. The horror movie? Yeah, 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 about okay. the haunted house or whatever. Uh, Mr. Mom did come out the same day as Jaws 3D, and Mr. Mom is... I, I also saw that not too long. It, is that Michael Keaton? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Written by written by John Hughes. That movie's a slap in the face to stay at home, Dad, because <laughs> they make us all look like idiots. So <laughs> I understand the era it was made in, but I know how to vacuum a floor and take care of my kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a moron. It is, I say, it is definitely an early 80s film. Um, absolutely now when i this is where some of my friends are going to be mad at me when i say the movie kroll do you know what i'm talking about very vaguely i know of the name i couldn't tell you what it's about people go go look up the movie poster to kroll it's this like this like doom mountain some bad guy and this dude holding the like it, it's called the glaive but it's like this huge ninja star thing that fits in his hand that he throws this movie is so boring and dumb <laughs> what is it about it's some fantasy film and again this is my dungeons and dragons days so some this movie was right up my alley and i'm like this is this is not good this is terrible is it, is it like dune oh it's it's way worse than dune i love the new dune i rewatched the uh oh the trailer's uh, coming out the day we record this yeah but i rewatched the what's his face who made the original dune movie and we talked about it on a podcast well it's not great it's still at least watchable but this mm-hmm. movie seems like it's not even this crawl movie Seems like it's not even watchable. No, it's it's absolutely terrible. As we go through the year, there was you know the movie Risky Business, another legendary film. I wonder I, uh, how well it holds up today. But uh, I went to a sleepover when I was probably my son's age, maybe a little bit older. My friend begged his mom to rent this movie, and it's the first time I've ever seen a bare-chested actress on television before. <laughs> so I and Rebecca De Mornay looked. Well, wonderful. Coming yeah. from my hetero male perspective, she was beautiful. In that well, movie. I say that movie and um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High were definitely. Uh-huh. 
they they have a place always. Formative, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> the Curse of the Pink Panther, which the Pink Panther movies were in the 70s, pretty, again, mm-hmm. well-known. The problem with this movie is Peter Sellers, who was the lead, was Inspector Clouseau in those movies, died. So oh. they had to replace him. And with it, who? It, oh, I can't remember. And they, I think they... It's one of these movies where you could definitely tell the lead's not there. Okay, Ted Wass. I, I'm looking at things because uh, I know in in uh, they remade Pink Panther movies for now with Steve Martin. The movies aren't good, but Steve Martin's yeah. fine as Inspector Clouseau. A uh, Smokey and the Bandit three, which famously <laughs> only has a cameo from Burt Reynolds, who is the Bandit. Aren't him and Sally Field the star of the original? Oh, Sally Field's not even in this one. What? Yeah. What's the point? Why make these sequels? This is like going from Major League to Major League Two, where all of a sudden Wesley Snipes isn't there anymore, but his character's still there, played by Omar Epps. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, You want to see some absolutely ridiculous and terrible acting and effects? You should check out the Canon Films movie Hercules with Lou Ferrigno. They talked about that on how this get made. <laughs> yeah. this sounds nuts. Absolutely nuts. No, it, it's it's absolutely terrible. Yet another canon movie, uh, Revenge of the Ninja. This is when a lot of like ninja movies were coming out. Okay. A movie that is definitely for an older generation, especially our mother, Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh my god. <laughs> that movie used to terrify me when I was a kid. I don't know why. Another Michael Perry vehicle, that along with uh what was it, uh, Streets of Fire. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. So I talked earlier about Octopussy, and you asked me if it had Sean Connery in it. And uh-huh. I was like, we're going to get to Sean Connery. Because there was another movie that came out later that year called Never Say Never Again, directed by Irving Kirshner, who directed Empire Strikes Back. It okay. is based off a James Bond novel. And he plays James Bond in it, but it's not a James Bond movie. What? Yes. How? It's not the same studio or anything. Somebody just happened to have the rights to it. And I guess since Connery didn't get to do Octopussy, he got mad and decided to do this instead. So in this year, not only did we have two James Bond movies, but two of widely considered the worst James Bond <laughs> movies. That's weird. Do either one of these have like somebody called Golden Face in it or something? No, I mean, probably. <laughs> they're just they're just terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, Cronenberg had another movie, The Dead Zone, with Christopher Walken, based off a of King book. Uh-huh. Again, not great. There's a Tom Cruise, All the Right Moves, which I, I've thought about going back and watching that. People say that's actually really good. Well, and going back to The Dead Zone, Christopher Walken hosted SNL a while after that came out. But there's a great skit where he can, like, see to the future, but it's only, you know, oh, you left your car yes. keys at home or whatever. What was the movie you said after The Dead Zone? Oh, All the Right Moves. All the Right Moves. Is that yeah. the Tom Cruise football movie? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, I have seen that. That movie is hella melodramatic for what it's about. Now, before we end, I'm going to talk about the movie that I think is is a bad movie. Okay? It, it's bad, but people are going to tell me, no, it's really good. And we're into the time period where all the big like Oscar bait movies are coming out. Terms of Endearment, Yentl, Silkwood. I mean... <laughs> These are Silkwood. Yeah, that was. Uh, I hear people say they have to take a Silkwood shower. What is that? Mean? Oh, that the movie's about like some chemical spill or some oh, okay. industrial <laughs> accident, stuff like that. You know, mostly you go through the end of the year. It's just forgettable movies, even the you know even the big ones. But there is a movie that did come out. It uh, came out in what month is that? Oh, it actually came out in December. So maybe it was trying to go for a few Oscars here and there. Mm-hmm. 
directed by Brian De Palma, who is a very well-known director, written by Oliver Stone, one of his first movies. A lot of people talk about an iconic performance, but my wife and I had a conversation about this. I'm going to get your point of view, because I actually think this is a dog movie. Scarface. You and I have talked about this movie a lot. I cannot stand this movie. (laughs) I don't like this movie. I don't get why it's become such a cultural icon. It's offensive to Hispanics and Italians alike, I would imagine. Pacino is over the top and ridiculous. Isn't Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie? And she's like young, still relatively young when she was in this movie. And I don't like the way they treat women in this. I don't like the glorification of a drug dealer that it's become. I I don't like this movie at all. I I can't stand this movie. So I think this is the best way because this is what I told my wife about it. There was a, this movie was not critically liked when it first came out. And uh-huh. the writer for um for the for New York magazine said it was empty, bullying, and an overblown B film. I agree with that. All of that. Yeah. And it's I, I go back because I told my wife, I said, first off, the movie's too damn long. Yeah, it's crazy long. Kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to if you want to say and, you know, we talked about Super Mario Brothers a while ago. I remember when John Leguizamo was all excited about playing Luigi, and he said, you know, the Italians always play us uh, Latin characters. Maybe it's now time for a Latin uh, person to play an Italian. He was specifically talking about Al Pacino and Scarface. Good, good. (laughs) But you're right. So it didn't, it was not well-liked when it came out, and now it's become this whole whatever it's a thing and i did i thought to myself oh maybe i do and look i was in college in the 90s i do dudes that had mm-hmm. scarface posters all the time and it's just it's actually not a good movie if what you're remembering the 20 minutes you all remember of it is exactly that 20 minutes yeah there's a whole two plus hours around all that that you have to watch but ty i said i wanted to end this on a good note because we talked yeah. about and yeah i like movies like trading uh trading places and stuff like that uh even we could probably put outsiders in that more legendary category but there were three I movies would. there are three movies that came out and i'm gonna save okay. my favorite for last that came out that year one of them uh, of the three one of them was a box office mega hit not only was it a big hit when it came out, it has continued to be a big hit, even though the lead of the movie is just a jerk of a human being, and that's National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I'm rewatching Community right now, and you can see how awful Chevy Chase is, but Vacation is such a touchstone in our house when we were growing up that we watched it all the time. The movie's incredible. Still quote that movie all the time. I think it's an excellent over-the-top representation of what it's like going on a road trip. I mean, it's a stone-cold classic for sure. Yeah, and it's a movie today. I, I still think I could sit down and watch it and be like, that's a good movie. That's a really well, good movie. Well, and like they try to remake it with Ed Helms yeah. and Christina Applegate. It didn't work because Ed Helms isn't a jerk like Chevy Chase no. is. And Beverly D'Angelo is so good in that movie. It, it's, it's, I mean, it's an awesome movie. I mean, what's her name? Jane Krakowski's in that movie. So I talked, yeah, yeah. I talked. So I talked about uh, Bob Clark, who did Porky's, directed Porky's, directed Porky's too. He directed another movie that came out this year, and when it came out, it failed in the box office. And that movie was A Christmas Story. <laughs> We've talked about that movie a lot on this podcast. <laughs> it is on daily in our folks' house every year. It's it's all. I mean, it's I a, have a no, it's lamp in my house. Absolutely it, it's, great. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love that movie. I haven't seen the new one, but I love 
the original movie. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible, incredible movie. And it's one of those situations where it, it did a game this life after the theater. It was just this mm-hmm. lost gem in a lot of ways. Um, Princess Bride's a lot like that. If we ever talk yeah. about, I forget. I think that's eighty five or something like that. But Princess Bride was not successful in the theater, and it just such a good movie. Yeah, and it just ended up becoming becoming huge, becoming something else. But the movie I do want to talk about, Ty, is a modern reinterpretation of the Shakespeare play Hamlet. Uh. <laughs> and was it the biggest movie? No. It wasn't made for a lot of money. It didn't make a lot of money. Did it have the biggest stars in it? One of them was about to go on to become a big star. He was Canada's uh, biggest stars, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> has anybody ever seen this movie and disliked this movie? Absolutely not. And that is Mm-mm. the... What is known as the Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie: Colon oh. Strange Brew, but most yeah. of us know as Strange Brew. And yes, I am. I am telling you guys the truth. It is a remake. It is a reinterpretation yeah. of Hamlet. Well, it's interesting too because this movie is such a touchstone in our family and watching it growing up. And I can remember as a kid being grossed out by it, but now I have like this lasting image in my head of of Bob and Doug McKenzie sitting around and they have a dog. I think it's like a hound dog. I could be, I misremember or whatever, but they're so into beer that they put beer in the dog dish and the dog's <laughs> just drinking beer. Out of it. I mean, <laughs> this movie is bizarre and weird in all the correct ways. I love strange brew. I revisited it during the pandemic, like watch it. I, it completely held up for me. Rick Moranis, you could tell, is going to be a star. The other guy acted as well. He was Dave Thomas. He was, yeah, he's been in yeah, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. So he's still acting. Like this movie is just, it's so good and it's so funny that I, I will not say a bad thing. And you're right. Everybody I know who's seen it says it's great. Nobody's like, ah, it's, it's a fantastic movie. No, it was the best thing is there was, it's got about 76% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the reviews, and I think this is perfect, says, Though lowbrow and intent in outcome, Strange Brew effectively mines laughs from its unique presence and likable stars. A hundred percent agree with that. That is spot on. And I'll tell you so many great things about this movie. I mean, so many great things. And we talk about a lot of these movies based off Saturday Night Live characters. There's Mm -hmm. been some good ones. But for the most part, yeah, not not great by any means. This was based off of uh, SCTV. They were kind of a, a competing Saturday Night Live type show, but that's where Eugene Levy came from. Yeah, it's People where it's where know. it's where Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, Christopher Guest. I yeah, mean, yeah. that Catherine O'Hara. If you watch Shit's Creek, anybody on that show Every, that's yeah. over the age Older. of fifty came that from SCTV. Alexis or David's age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's that's what this was. It was based off of these characters and. You know, just even the, there's a part of the movie where they they crash their van and they're drowning, and it kind of <laughs> like says "to be continued," and then it starts right up again. Even yeah. the Simpsons did that in their movie yeah. "to be continued" right now, right now. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it, again, a small little movie, a movie I did not see in the theater. I saw on videotape, but oh, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got the damn Blu-ray of it. I mean, oh, you do? Oh, wow! So. It is. <laughs> And they were to the point of it had done it had gained this uh, this following, especially of people my age, but gained this following that they put in production in 1999 a sequel called Homebrew, 
written by huh. Dave Thomas and uh, Paul Flaherty, and it was to okay. be directed by Flaherty. And Dan Aykroyd was going to be in it. They started. Oh. Uh, they started making the movie. Todd McFarlane of all people came in to be a producer, but it just fell apart. Huh. Now I think again, best left with just one movie. Though. Yeah, no, no, it, it's it's legendary, and I think a big part of it is that. Rick Moranis, I, and it, it, well, I could tell the full story another day, but Rick Moranis left acting at the top of his game. He was doing the, he did, he was doing the Honey I Shrunk the Kids, Honey I Shrunk the Kid, yeah. And his his wife died, I think it was breast cancer, and they had some young children, and he left acting to raise his yep. kids, and yep. that might be part of it is they probably couldn't get him to do this movie. Weird thing about Rick Moranis is he has released numerous successful and critically acclaimed country music albums. Good for him. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and with, with Strange Brew, the thing I go back to, that's the first time I heard anybody call somebody a hose. <laughs> yep. yep. I have no idea what that was. I'm like, that's pretty cool insult to throw at somebody. And coming out of their Canadian accent and miles, it didn't sound like an insult at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Classic. So there's 1983, yeah. Ty. Bookended with some good stuff, but man, I mean... You guys could go through the 82 podcast and, like I said, find 10 classic movies. I think we gave you, yeah. like, five and, like, 20 terrible ones. What I gleaned from all this is that too many sequels, yes. too many third installments of movies. You do get some cool stuff like Outsiders, Strange Brew, Christmas Story, uh, Vacation. And I, I've i got to watch this Liquid Sky movie. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about that movie. So i, I got to find that. So I'll, I'll listen to Aphrodite's Child while I watch Liquid Sky yeah. again. Even though I don't do drugs or drink, I'll find a way to hallucinate while doing both of those. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> wild. I mean, any movie that's like bisexual, cocaine addicted, aliens killing you during orgasm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it sounds rad. It almost sounds like a comedy version of that Scarlett Johansson movie, Under the Skin. Yes, where she yeah, where she rips dude's skin <laughs> off after she's had. Adult time with them, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, well, Ty, if somebody needs to find you for your watch party of Liquid Sky, where are they going <laughs> to find you at? Please, the more the merrier. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T Y K U L I K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff at seedsing.com, S E E D S I N G.com, pop culture, sports. It's all there. Go listen to my buddy's podcast, Chucklehead Chat, uh, hosted by Glenn Adams. I've been on a few episodes. I'm actually recording one with him this week. That's why uh, you were fortunate enough to push this one up a couple of days because I'm going to record one with him. Uh, so check that out. Chucklehead Chat anywhere you get podcasts. Most importantly, listen to this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out our Patreon. There was another shooting in Texas again this morning. That's what I woke up to in the news. We need gun reform as i said to my wife looks like those thoughts and prayers aren't working out something's got to change and as always black lives matter yeah and to continue on just getting on the soapbox very quickly the writers guild just yeah. went on strike and people like I, I can tell you the one good thing about uh, this moronic twitter blue thing is i'm able to go to these hot take tweets and then just all the idiots are at the top now so i can block them all and it, yeah. it makes me feel quite good. And you see a lot of these idiots with the Writers Guild. Uh, podcasting, which I think is part of it, is actually not part of the Writers Guild. Neither you or I are part of that guild. Nope. But if they ever wanted to do it, I would happily join it. And I'd happily be on yep. strike because yeah, I joke with using ChatGPT and all that other stuff. But I, I don't know if you've seen the 
AI generated the Star Wars trailer. I saw that. I also saw a creepy one that was yeah. AI generated Will Smith eating spaghetti. Yes. And it freaked me out. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I know people are like, oh, they're not going to. Yes. I mean, creativity is is I, not to get too metaphysical, but it's it's part of your soul. And the machines don't have souls. And chat GPT yeah. can yell at me all I want that it must love 1983 as a movie but or <laughs> as a year for movies. But I yeah, so um, all these movies we talked about in the re-release of our podcast last week and the release that will be coming out on Saturday this week were written by human beings yes. who are not treated fairly by the companies that hire them to yeah. have them write. So I just wanted to give a shout out. I do know a few people that are in the guild. You know, the best thing I could say is somebody sent me a sign. on. They were out on the picket lines and some guy had a sign that said, they were outside of one of the studios and holding it was management that invented Quibi. So that should <laughs> say it all for you guys right there. A hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> but with all that being said, thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the X Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And next week's gonna be all about the moms. So uh get ready. Oh yeah. I'm dusting off my Mr. T records to play. So um <laughs> with that, have a good one, Tile. See you next week. Take it easy. The X Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.